Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Tonight I want to speak about it's impossible. Turn to someone and tell them it's impossible. It's impossible. For years they've been telling you it's not impossible, haven't they? Years they've been telling you it's not impossible. It's impossible. I want you to, I want you to turn around and just, the next time, this time I want you to say it again, but, but with the kind of attitude of like, I told you so, and, and sort of look down at your nose at them and then just say, it's impossible. Go on, go, it's impossible. <laughs> you know, I've got a good friend um, in Goldsmith. He's an artist. Um, Ian um, was a young adult. He, he married one of the youth in our church um, when we were youth leaders. And um, he, uh, at that time, we knew him. We didn't know that he was art, an artist or uh, uh, particularly artistic. We knew that he was, um, uh, what shall I say, eccentric in some ways. He's, uh, he still is. Um, He's probably um, similar age to Cheryl, maybe a little bit younger than Cheryl, maybe a year or two younger than Cheryl. But he's still out. He uh, skateboards and longboards, and he's still out there um, skateboarding on it and uh, goes out on his longboard, takes his boys out with him. Uh, but he uh, is a full-time uh, professional artist. Uh, his work is commissioned um, around the country, and uh, he is a celebrated artist on front page of... Uh, of uh, different magazines, and, and uh, his work is, um, is quite remarkable. I'm going to show you some of the art. Let's just see the first one. Um, now, oh, there we go. It, that is the painting. I don't know, actually, that, that was a, these are photographs I just took off. Um, so that's probably only part of the painting, but it's the <laughs> photograph that you put on Facebook. And uh, let's just go to the second one. Here we go. This is beautiful work, isn't it? And, uh, and then the last one, this is the last one, this is my favourite one. Look at that. Look at that jug. That looks like metal, doesn't it? It's almost like a photograph. Uh, and he, he is a, a, remarkable, a remarkable man. He, uh, an amazing, he loves his music and musician and his kids play um, all sorts of instruments. And um, he really is very creative, uh, genius. Um, but here's the thing, right? He didn't, for 20 years... He didn't do that. It took him 20 years to work out that actually who he really was was an artist on the inside. And all he wasn't, he wasn't taking that seriously. And now he gets commissioned from well-known people to paint a picture of them. But for 20 years, he was not doing that. On the, it was on the inside of him, but he was not responding to that, that call, that thing on the inside. Something was driving him and he was kind of wrestling with who he was on the inside. Now, here's the thing right now with Ian. He is an artist, and when you come to someone like Ian, you can, you can take away their brushes, you can take away their canvas, you can take away um, everything that they have to paint and draw. You could even tie them up if you so was in that kind of mind. But what you couldn't do is you couldn't take the artist that was in them. Yeah. It would be impossible. Because who he is, is who he, you can't take it from them. You see, what God puts in, in us, it is impossible. Yeah. 
for it to be taken from you. If you turn with me to Acts, the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 24, it says, but God raised him, this is Jesus, from the dead. Just in case you're wondering if it was me. Um, But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Now, the background to this statement, Peter has been filled with the Holy Spirit. The day of Pentecost has come. Um, Flames of fire have appeared on their heads. They're speaking in new language. And uh, a roar uh, of heaven has sounded and it's drawn a crowd of many thousands of people around the upper room. And they're going, what is going on? I can hear my own language. These, what are these people? Some people are saying they must be drunk. Um, and Peter is going, look, it's only nine in the morning. We haven't had time yet to get drunk. And uh, which I think is quite a funny statement. It's like, we don't drink. It's, we haven't had time yet. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? And, uh, but here they are. They've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. The power of God has come upon them. And now Peter gets up to preach and to explain what is going on. And he explains to them. He says, look, this Jesus who you killed and placed on the cross because of your sin, it was impossible that death could hold him. Yeah. It was impossible that he could be held in the grave. Now, here's the thing. It it was impossible for death to hold him, but it wasn't impossible for death to pull him down. You see, we often evaluate what is going on in our lives because we feel we should be untouchable. If God has placed his blessing upon us, then surely the things that sits on the inside, surely we shouldn't be touched. But if Jesus can be taken to the very depths of death, if he can be placed in the, in the pit of hell, if he can be placed there for three days, then be sure that many things can trip you, hold you and hold you down. But it is impossible for it to destroy you. Yeah. But we have to understand that, that the natural gifts, see what was in Ian, For 20 years was always in him. That which was in him as he devoted his life to God, as he began to serve God, um, he preaches in church. He's a a great um, faith man and his family just love the house of God. And what was in him for 20 years, but there was was a doubt, there was a a question mark. He, He hadn't pursued it because he hadn't fully understood who he was. He was saying to me the other day, he said, he said he took me, um, it, it took me, you know, 20 years to work this out. He said, but there I was talking to a friend. Um, I think he said it was a hairdresser. Someone he was just talking and explaining to them. Well, he, he says, yes, I'm an artist. And, and the, the fact that he was saying was an artist was still quite like he's got these words coming out of his mouth that he's saying about himself, yeah. which he, it was like, am I, is this really me still? It's like, he's still living in that moment. Is this really me? Now, we see that kind of art and we go, well, of course, I mean, that's an artist. I mean, I, I like you, you've maybe seen some of the little sketches and things I do. I, I'm not an artist. <laughs> I like drawing, but I'm not an artist. That's an artist. <laughs> and, but he spent 20 years wondering whether he was an artist or whether he, he could be that. He hadn't 
understood fully the call of God on the inside. And so the the enemy himself has opportunity to kind of just sow seeds of doubt in your heart, seeds of doubt as to who you are or what you're called to do, and maybe distract you with different things. Ian became a landscape gardener. He's that, I mean, you know, it's nothing wrong with being a, it wasn't the devil making him a landscape gardener. (laughs) It's a fine pursuit and calling. But, but who he's called to be was, was an artist. And if what God has put in, in that man, it is impossible to remove for him in the natural, how much more the supernatural? If what God has put in your life, in your natural, if it's impossible to take out your natural gift, how much more is it impossible to take out that which Christ has sown in you through the supernatural? How much more has God put in your life? You see, if you go with me to 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4. I'm, gonna, I'm doing NIV, by the way. I forgot to mention this, Jane. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 4, it says, Through these he has given us this very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Now, this is what it says God has placed in us. Very great and precious promises. We have to understand that those things which are great and precious, you hold with great value and only place in a secure place. You don't treat them with disregard and scatter them willy-nilly. You don't throw them wherever you might. Those things which are precious in your house, you place in a secure location so you know where to go to find them. And this is always that point of frustration if you've been a little careless with the things that are maybe a little bit more important to you, like things like your passport. That's, that's kind of semi-precious, isn't it, your passport? Because it's really, really important, but you can get another one if you have to. But generally, that's after you've missed your flight. <laughs> so passports, but there are things that we may have. You may have jewellery that was inherited in jewellery in your family. You may have, These are precious things that we, we kind of, well, this is precious. I need to make sure I take care of this. But the Bible said God has given us great, very great and precious promises. These are the value of the things which God has laid eternally in your heart. He doesn't place those things which are of great value in something which cannot be held securely. Why does he place it in you? Because it cannot be taken from you. What can be taken or what can happen is the shroud of life can be placed. The cloak of the enemy can come upon you. The the effect of of the, 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 the burden of life can come around you and you can grow confused and you can grow burdened by the things that begin to build up and hold you down. You know what? It's possible for even a child to trip you up, but it isn't possible for a child to hold you down. You know, when you wrestle with your kids or wrestle with the little ones, you know, what amazes, always amazes me, the little ones, I mean, you can, you can pick them up, you can throw them around, you can do what you like with them. But even 
<laughs> oh, look, they hit the wall. And uh, you can do all of those things, but what is extraordinary in the, with children, even very small ones, is the, is the amount of strength they actually do have. Have you noticed that? The amount of resistance they give you, it's not as easy as you feel it should be. It's kind of like, I'm trying to break your arm, but you are fighting me back. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, no, no. no, yeah, I'm qualified. That, that's a joke. I don't break them. I just bruise them. No, I don't. No. <laughs> I'll have to take that off the tape. And uh, so, <laughs> discipline. And uh, so, <laughs> what, hap- <laughs> what happens is that we... we we get into a place where we, we sometimes get confused. How did this take me out? How did this affect me? How did that lie take me down? How was it? And you know what? Some of those lies are like children in your life. They can trip you. But what you must not um, equate one with the other that to fall over is to die. In other words, to be robbed eternally of the thing which God has placed in you. When God placed in you great and precious promises, he placed it securely that it may never be taken from you. His promises are there and it says it was impossible for death to hold him there. Impossible that death could hold him. Christ is pure and his life is the fullness of life and it was impossible. Now the Bible says that Christ now lives in us. And the precious promise of Christ in us, if it's impossible, if it was impossible for, the, uh, for death to hold Christ in the grave, how much more is it impossible for the gift of Christ that is in you to be restrained and to stop you from fulfilling the call that is upon your life? It's impossible for outside forces to take this away from you. Now, there are things which are possible. It's possible for you to fail to walk in that which is in your life. You can spend 20 years wondering what you're supposed to do with the gift upon your life. Hello? You can make a decision not to walk in those things, not to take that step of faith, but you can't blame it on the enemy because he doesn't have that much authority over you. You see, we spend our life, if we can shift the blame to someone else, but we have to stop coming to a point of blame and to a point, and even come stop coming to a point of self-condemnation but simply to a point, a point in our life and saying, this is what I can do. This is what I want to pursue. This is what I want to discover about that which is upon my life. Ian was chatting away to me. He said, if you want any coaching or any uh, advice or help with your drawing, I was just saying, you know, I just want to I just I haven't been drawing and sketching much. And I thought, you know what, I, I'm just going to get out my paint pads and pencils and I'm just going to sketch and, and just do stuff which I, I used to do and just enjoy doing. My mum, she always had, a, she had a, a, a little art pad and pencils and she never went anywhere without them. And uh, she would just go into that, um, she would get it and she would just draw and whenever we were out on a picnic, out came the sketchbook and she would sketch. And it was always wonderful watching what creation would come, come out of her. And she was kind of, but my mother was exactly the same. Her, the reason why she didn't paint and draw was because 
um, she wasn't, it really wasn't encouraged because in the 1950s, uh, a woman was supposed to give up the work that they were doing, which was she had been sort of go off to the haberdashery department in the uh, local department store. And, and uh, from there she met my dad and then she, you get married and you don't work after that. You just have children. And she had a lot of them. <laughs> she was very good at it. <laughs> and, uh, so, and so it was, it, there was a discouragement for the gift that shone in her, but she was artistic. She was. We would come run into the bedroom when they were kid, when we were kids, and we would jump on the bed, and and Mum would tell us stories, and she would say, "Can what animals can you see in the wallpaper?" Now I look at the wallpaper, and it's all flowers. Can you see the dog's face? Can you see the chicken? Can you? And she would be laughing ahead of telling us the stories of the creatures that were that weren't there, but it was just. A repeat 1950s pattern wallpaper, you can imagine. But she was creating stories from the creatures that she could see that were within. She was an artist inside, creatively dreaming. And she would laugh and tell us these stories. And, and then she would paint these hilarious pictures. And she would, tears would be running down her face as she, as she drew these, these stupid looking rabbits. And, and uh, she would draw us these pictures. And, and so the artist, and so she decided one day, I'm going back to art school. And she never, once she started, she never stopped pursuing the, the gift upon her life of drawing and, and painting. And, and uh, she was getting lessons right, right up to the very end of her life, always asking somebody else, how do I do this better? I remember her saying one day, there's a, um, Cheryl's parents have, have a painting that my mum my painted, this beautiful scene of this through the woods. And she just asked the Holy Spirit, said, Holy Spirit, show me how to paint trees. And she painted these trees that you feel like the, you can smell the wood. You can, you can see that the way the light sort of worked through the, the, the bark. It, they feel real. And, this was, and she said, Holy Spirit, show me how. She never saw the moment. See, here's the thing. With that which is on the inside of you, the moment, you see, it doesn't, it's not something that you just become and then you are. It's something that you learn to grow in. Now, this was a natural gift. It was a natural thing. We're not talking about the supernatural. How much more the work of the supernatural to lead you in the gifts of the ministry of the house that you may make an eternal difference in other people's lives. You may make an eternal difference. See, God wants you to understand it is impossible. Now, I want to show you what it says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 to 8. It says this. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair. You see, there is something we need to understand. It is impossible for the enemy to rob you. But we have to understand how the life of Christ on the inside of us grows into a place of freedom and liberty where we're flowing in the things which God has got for us. We have to understand the value of what God has placed and how we pursue it. Now, I want you to see this is, one of, this is just an amazing verse. I've been reading this and rereading it. In 2 Corinthians 4 verse 10, so if, if you've got real Bibles, 
which we don't do much of. Maybe we should just have a Sunday where we do people bring their Bible. And uh, there'll be a lot of rustling. Oh, good on you, Rita. She's got a Bible. She's the old-fashioned one in the room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> just bring the zimmer. And uh, so, <laughs> so 2 Corinthians 4 verse 10 says this. It said, always carrying about in the body. This is talking of the church. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. Let me read that to you again. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. Now, imagine that you were a football team. You're a supporter of a football team that lost. We watched the Portugal game. They didn't lose, but it felt like losing, didn't it, Gabby? It did. It was agonizingly painful. It was painful for Gabby. It wasn't for me. I just had sympathy for her in that kind of casual way that one does. In that, oh, never mind. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> that kind of way. That kind of way. But I was remembering 2004 when, when Portugal did the same thing to England. And so I kind of felt justice has been served. But never mind. We won't go there because Gabby is a dear, dear friend. And we love her. And it's her country. And she thinks whatever that guy is that's too smooth and combs his eyebrows. Ronaldo, that's the guy. He's close to Jesus. So um, we don't want to burst that bubble. And, uh, but imagine, right? You, you, every, we all know what it's like to support a team that's just lost. And there's always a key moment. There's always a key moment when that team has lost. It's that goal that was scored. That there's, always, there's always one particular goal that just felt wrong, agonizing, and you every time you're like, ah! And you know what happens when, they, when your team loses? They keep showing the goal that lost it for you, don't they? It's on repeats, it's on, it's on the news every time you oh, they have to show, how? I'm turning off the TV, I want to do it. It's just this constant agonizing on repeat, on repeat the whole time. They're showing you what, what caused you to lose. Here's the thing. We are always carrying about in us the dying of the Lord Jesus. Jesus dying on the cross is the goal that won the victory. And it plays on repeat to the enemy, showing him exactly how much he's lost. So every time he comes to haunt your life and to pull you down, the, the, the tape is still playing on repeat, on repeat, on repeat. Remember this? Remember this moment, Satan? Remember this moment, Satan, when you thought you were just winning? When you thought you were winning, but you lost, didn't you, Satan? You lost at that moment. Oh, my goodness, let's show it to you again. And so every time a believer comes to Christ, it, there is a repeat play going on in your heart. The repetition of the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is playing in your life again and again and again. It plays on repeat. And here it is, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in you. Because there is no greater life than that moment when your team scores and that exaltation of, yes, that moment of joy when you know that you've won. Here's the thing, the life that comes from Christ, of that winning moment, the winning life of Jesus Christ. You see, when Jesus rose 
from the dead, he rose up more alive than he was before. He was alive according to the restrictions of normal man. But now he's alive according to the nature of his divine nature. He's filled with supernatural life. He has a life. He can sit at the beach and he can cook fish. Who knows where he got the fish, but he's got fish. They're out fishing and he's at the beach already with the fish. He gets the fish. Why? Because he's, he is full of such divine power. He can eat fish and he can walk through walls. The fish that he ate didn't fall through him. It's not like he was a ghost. He was physically there. He was supernaturally there. But he was divinely there too because he had full life because he had fully won. And the full life of Jesus Christ is the life that fills you with the victory. The problem with us is that we feel like we've lost because we feel like we are on play. We replay our losing moments in our mind. We keep replaying the losing moment because it's utterly irrelevant what moment you feel like you've lost when the winning goal has already been scored and it's on play repeat on the inside of your life. Jesus Christ dying upon the cross and winning the victory. It is impossible to take away that moment. Satan can't scrub that moment out. He can't take it from you, which is why he can't take from you the call of God. He can't stretch beyond the the screen that is playing his losing moment. He can't take from you the victory of Jesus Christ that is playing on the inside of you. And so what we have to come back to is a place of absolute confidence in Jesus Christ and confidence that we are being renewed, empowered in him. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That is a verse that has been playing on repeat in itself on my mind in this last week or so. Every day I get up, I walk down the road, I found myself saying, it's flowing out of my heart. I keep saying it, I am transformed by the renewing of my mind. I am transformed by the renewing of my mind. Do you know what? You see, the transformation power comes in our life when we realize that the seed of life, the seed, the gift that lies on the heart, on your heart, on the inside of you, that gift lies on the inside, and it may have been under the cloak of the enemy that he threw over your life, but we are renewed, transformed. We are transformed. So many people, are they wish to be transformed, but we are transformed. How are we transformed? By the renewing of our mind. When our mind starts to agree with the Spirit of God, when we begin to get a different imagination, when our mind begins to think of the things that Christ says about us. Have you noticed how millionaires can go bankrupt? And then go back and make another million. Have you never noticed that? I always think to myself, I'd, I'd like to make the first one. You know, I never made a million because there isn't a million in me. I'm not a businessman. The millionaires, the, the, the million's always in them. It's in them. They don't just know how to make it. They know exactly what to do. You can take all the money away from them and they're as poor as you are. 
But give them another couple of years and they'll be many times richer than you. Because it's in them. Their mind is thinking differently to you. You want to be transformed. You understand it's in you. And we, we just forget that it's in us. Actually, there could be a million in you. You just haven't thought of it yet. But, but God wants you to know that if it's in you, the seed is in you, the creativity in you, the genius in you, you then have to apply yourself into the learning of it, the discovering of the gift, the discovering of you, of who you are, the trying out and the adventure. Next week, we start a new series called I Dare You. And the challenge of I Dare You will go out into this church as we're challenging people to take on the things that they, they kind of felt, oh, I don't know whether I can do that. I dare you. Give it a go. I dare you, discover what God can do in your life as you begin to think differently and become transformed by the renewing. I am transformed by the renewing of my mind. This church is transformed by the renewing of our mind. Our lives, our worship is transformed by the renewing. The things that God has called us to do is transformed by the renewing of our mind. And as our mind takes on the very nature of Christ who lives in us anyway. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.